All right. I'm I'll, 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 I'm going to try to bandage this one real quick. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That ain't it. That ain't the transition I want. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Just let it roll. I, I can do my anthemic <laughs> The people love this stuff. <laughs> of the web.com podcast this is the first podcast since the web draft of 2021 the summer spectacle has come and gone we are already in august which means we are barreling toward week one of the 2021 web season but before we get there We have to take a look back at this draft because it had a lot of hype, a lot of excitement, a lot of build up to this one. And we have once and for all, all of the picks, all of the teams have set themselves up for this season. And now we are going to break it all down and give you guys some grades. So hope you're ready for that. And we got uh, Frazier and Caleb in the building. OG pod squad. Hello, I'm ready for this. This this August stretch is usually August stretch of the year for my fantasy football life. Because once you get that draft done, you're just waiting. A nice yeah. little exercise. Yeah, feels good to be back. Um, it's been tough to get us all together for one thing during these summer months, but football season closing in. I'm excited to recap this draft. Yeah, and I mean this was. Tons of storylines. We had the Spicy Takes podcast. Nobody really knew what was happening. And then all of a sudden we had all these trades just right before the draft that really set the tone for what we did end up seeing. And like we expected, everything after round one was kind of up in the air. So we're going to break it all down. Um, But before we get into each owner's evening... Just want to start with some general impressions. Did you guys have any general takeaways from this draft? Was it what you expected? Was it shock? Anything shock you or or where? What did you guys think coming out of that evening? My main takeaway was first the Tim had a very nice uh, smoke screen because I was completely convinced that he was in on Jamin. There was never. Yeah. A part of me that thought he was going Parsons. I thought the Cowboys spooked him, but Tim stayed true to the the better talent going into the NFL draft. Not get swayed by these landing spots, which is kind of unlike him. So a new leaf with that pick. And then the other part, I think it got overshadowed by how drunk Caleb was, but the third <laughs> round was nuts with trades. Yes. I think every pick, almost every pick got moved on yeah. that night. I, I don't really remember much of that. That's why it was kind of <laughs> nice to look back the next morning and see, like, who went where and finding out, you know, some guys made some moves to go get their guys and some guys just didn't take their guys. So, um, yeah, I agree that that Jamin Davis smokescreen is, is going to go down as an all-timer. I was, I mean, up to that point, the draft, I think, was pretty much chalk to mm-hmm. what you're expecting. And then that really just threw it around and then, 
you got to the start of the second and then all bets were off. And that, it was a lot of fun to see where guys want these quarterbacks, these defensive players, and some of the underrated running backs. It was a, a lot of fun to watch it unfold. Yeah, I, it was, the third round was like the Wild West, which is how you know that it's a fun night. Um, <laughs> really made a count. And um excited to dive in here and look at, look at each team's night because... Um, yeah, there was a lot of value to be had later on. There was a lot of positioning happening. So we're going to look and see exactly how each owner did. Our grades are going to be based not off of the total, like, look at what you got. Because obviously Tim would be getting an A++++. That's kind of not the direction we want to go. Uh, we're looking more so at did you find value where you did have picks? What kind of maneuvering did you do? Did you find opportunities to get into positions to take falling players or high-value targets? And how did your draft picks ultimately set you up for the 2021 season? Did you address positions of need? Uh, can your, Do we see your players helping you this season, or are they more future projects? So we're going to take all of that into consideration when handing out our final grades and we are going to start things off at the top of the draft with the owner who made the first overall selection for the first time in franchise history. Frazier, you were on the clock at number one, and I'm just going to quickly run through your haul from the night. So we had Jamar Chase, obviously number one. We have Justin Fields as the product of a trade. You had initially selected Trey Lance, and we're going to talk about that. Then you went quarterback again, Zach Wilson. You got your guy, Deami Brown, in the third. Added Pat Fryermuth in the quarterback trade. And then your compensatory selections, Gregory Rousseau. Uh, ISM, I can't even remember how to say his full name. The wide Amir receiver. Smith Marset. Thank you, Caleb. And Elijah Mitchell uh, in the late rounds there. So, uh, Frazier, start us off. How'd you feel about your evening? I felt really good about it. I mean, take Jamar, what we initially made that trade for. Pitts made a late run at that pick, but I still feel great about Jamar, especially watching them practice. Um, the way the second round unfolded, I. I feel pretty good about that, too. I thought Zach Wilson would be gone by my second pick, but he wasn't. And at that point, it was either reach for Diami or just uh, was Zach Wilson. So I just took him, doubled down on the quarterback thing, which kind of made me feel more free to make that Trey Lance trade because when I made the Zach Wilson pick, I still had Trey Lance. But I... That's going to be interesting, the Trey Lance, Justin Fields thing, because I pretty much spent the first, the two weeks leading up to the draft being like, it's going to be Justin Fields, he's going to fall right there. But I'd always had been thinking about Trey Lance. And then the morning of the draft, I watched some Trey Lance, some highlights, and was just like, <laughs> you know what, I'm doing it. He's, he's on the Niners, he's got a better situation. It's the smart thing to do. So I did it. And then sudden Pratt Farbuth is still sitting there, like him a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go get Justin Fields. I got Zach Wilson. I like the like having the two of them. I feel like one of them is going to at least pan out. And yeah, feel pretty good about how it all how it all unfolded. It went fast, but I like where the dust settled. 
Yeah, I, I was a fan of the draft for you. Obviously, Jamar was pretty much penciled in. And then it was interesting to sort of follow your debate between Fields and Lance. I remember when you made the pick and were conflicted for a while. And then uh, mm-hmm. I, while I like Lance a little better, I like the value you got for a guy where it was a toss-up between the two. You you had Pat, Pat Fryermuth in the third round, which already felt like a solid value. Um, that's a, I feel like it's a really nice trade for you at that tight end spot. And then get your guy, Diami, uh, who's honestly a solid value in the third as well. And then some dart throws later, Elijah Mitchell had that great profile as an athlete um, in that 49ers offense. So uh, if something happens to Mostert and Sermon, you could see see him having some production. And then Rousseau, you know, he was a uh, was like going to be a top pick for a while and then completely falls out of the rookie draft, more of a project. And Amir Smith-Marset, who I like, he's just sort of a fun, versatile guy. But, yeah, across the board, I really – Really liked your draft, and I think uh, the two-quarterback strategy, we saw Dan use that the uh, last year, and that worked out. I mean, it could have worked out better still, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's probably overall. It's probably getting sick of how much that comes Yeah. Out, at least. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never let that one go, but, yeah, overall, I really liked the draft for you. I like yeah. the Rousseau pick, too, just because of the taxi squads, just because he's just a nice, safe guy to put there. I don't think it's, yeah. anyone's going to try and come in and snipe him with a third, so I like that, too. Yeah, a few few points to hit on there. I'll start there. I, I really liked some of the value that owners found in the compensatory post-fourth-round selections this year. I thought there was some really nice picks there. Um, Elijah Mitchell being one of them feel like that's a really high upside, low risk sort of a thing where you just add them. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked your draft a lot. Um, it, it was a perfect mix of obviously getting value, but also moving around the board and getting, getting guys and getting extra value. I mean, um, Diami Brown in the third, I mean, that that's exceptional value. I thought, especially considering the fact that that was a trade in, I mean, you traded into the draft, you didn't have to, um, you know, move a pick to in this draft to do that. Um, and the, the quarterbacks, I mean, it's it set up perfectly. I mean, I love that story. I love that like draft day change of heart. It's like you get the emotions <laughs> flowing, um, but you end up walking away with Justin Fields anyway, and you add Fryermuth in the third, which another, you know, huge value. I mean, a third round tight end like that. I mean, I really like what you did. Um, ju- just top to bottom, really. I mean, even in those late rounds, like we just talked about, I mean, you were making plays and you were making good picks. So I, I really like what you did in your first year in the rebuild. Yeah, it was interesting trying to pretty much add value to my team rather than just uh, send it with whatever gets me wins. It was a nice change of pace. And I'm not going to lie, Tim might have got in my head a little bit with the Jamin thing. I might have been trying to match him with the Trey Lance pick. <laughs> might have fell ass dude, backwards in the fire. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie, dude. That, that's like, that was a shocker. That was a shocker. I was like, there's no <laughs> way this isn't Justin Fields. And I flipped the card and it's Trey Lance. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Crazy. Um, all right. 
uh, grades for Frazier. Frazier, I, I don't know if I'll make you grade yourself, so maybe we'll start with Caleb. I mean, I don't know how I. We're doing A, B, C, D, A, B, C, no. D, and F. Hello, Caleb. You ever gone pluses to or minuses? On a one we doing rookie 32, scores? 32 being elite, you one can... being horrible. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't want to. I just hate to lead off with an A here, but like. <laughs> I, Do whatever I really your like heart the, says. It, it's an A for me. He got all the value he wanted, had some nice picks in the third round, and grabbed some uh, guys with potential in the compensatory um, picks. So. Um, and he traded a lot of these were deals he made. I mean, three of them were deals he made or two, I guess, but to get his guys, I, yeah, a, a for me. I'm also giving you an a Frazier. I mean, it's, I don't care that we're starting off with an a Caleb made a conniption over it, but this is an a draft. I mean, this is, you found value, you made moves, you positioned yourself, you picked up pieces that fit in your grand scheme of things i mean you have you're coming off of trading aaron Rodgers, and now you add two you know potential superstar quarterbacks into the fold with matt stafford sitting there in the wings kind of that veteran presence like that mentorship there like that a lot Mm -hmm. and then uh yeah some some really nice value guys that i could see you know being starting players for you um you know third round and later that's that's huge so um, like, like it a lot. Give you an A. Thank, thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stafford, he might be untouchable because you just can't really put a price on that sort of veteran leadership. No, it's, it's priceless. Some would say. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to move on then, um, uh, to Tim. So obviously going into the draft, the big story was Tim. He had all of the picks. So we were all, very interested to see what the final haul was going to look like for him. And it went as such. He got Kyle Pitts. He got Travis Etienne. He got Rashad Bateman. He got Rondale Moore. And the shocker with Micah Parsons, that rounded out his first round. And then he also added Michael Carter and Jalen Phillips in the second and Amon Ra in the third. So, Frazier, Tim's night. What would you think? I I loved it going into or going into it. He obviously was set up to succeed with the amount of picks he had, but I thought he knocked each one out of the park. I mean, Kyle Pitts definitely at one of the top, maybe the top talent in this draft. Um, potential Travis Kelsey type uh, impact for his team over the long haul. I love the ETM pick over the Waddle pick, which is the guy he was zoning in on for a while. Um, I think this team has a chance to compete this year, so I like going out, taking that big swing, and then waiting on Waddle and Bateman. Love that pick at, what was that, eight? Yep. My number two wide receiver. The only thing I didn't like, I thought Rondale was a little bit of a reach. I would have probably, God, who, where did he pick that, 11? Mm. You know what, I I think that's fine there. It's the only pick I'm not too excited about, but I love that he stuck to his guns on the Parsons, went with the talent. Um, and yeah, and then even with his later picks, he came in to get a Mon Ra. A, yes. A nice little Tim move. I yes. don't see that too too much from him, and I think that was at a good spot to get him too. So yeah, I loved uh, Tim's draft. I thought he did really well, even with the expectations he had going into it. 
Yeah, Tim Tim moving into the third round. That might be we might have to look back in the record book if that <laughs> ever happened. But <laughs> I love to poke fun of him for that, but I love that. Amon Ra, I know he's a big fan of him, so he grabs him there. Uh yeah, really the only like Pitts, ETM Bateman, that's exactly what I would have done. I think those are great picks for him. Rondale, I'm kind of with you a little bit. I for a while when I was talking to him, he was talking about more. And the entire time, I thought we were talking about Elijah Moore, about who he was taking. Yeah. And then, like two days later, or two days, like two days before the draft, he's like, "Yeah, Rondale, I can't wait to get him." I'm like, "Oh, what? <laughs> that Moore?" Like, okay. And then the whole trade with Riley, where he sort of wedged himself in there to get him. But um, yeah, that's the only pick I maybe I don't know about. But he used that pick that would have been like the Elijah pick to trade down to get Rondale and grab Michael Carter who was the last um, pretty much good running back left available. So he gets another running back there. And then I obviously the Parsons pick was crazy. And I really like the Jalen Phillips pick too. I was, as, as I was watching the draft unfold, I'm like, if Tim takes Jalen Phillips here, I mean, he knocked this out of the park. I feel like you have to take him here. And he did just that. So, yeah, I think a, a great draft for Tim. Um, obviously having five first-round picks helps. But – Overall, I think he really, really built himself something to go forward with for the foreseeable future. He would have earned an A plus from me if he would have tried to figure out how to get Terrace Marshall instead of Rondale Moore. Because I just yeah. feel like he had so many picks, and he's got so many picks next year that he should have just taken that chance on Terrace, who I think has way more upside than Rondale, and just tried to just knock this fully out of the park. I think that would have been. A really good yeah. pick in the middle of his all of his picks. Yeah, I think Tim showed a lot of maturity on draft night, honestly. I mean, it's it's easy to say, you know, you come in with five first round picks, you're not gonna screw it up. I mean, he kept saying that. I can't screw it up. And it's like that's correct, but at the same time, like he made very good selections for the grand scheme of what he's trying to build. He addressed all position groups. He he has now built the foundation of his future lineup all within this draft and what he's carried over from last year. So, I mean, I'm looking specifically at his picks after round one. How did you do there? Because that's historically where he has struggled. And Michael Carter, well-documented, was a player that I really, really liked, was targeting on draft night, really wanted him. Tim picked him in a perfect spot, a blend of, like, value and, you know, kind of BPA almost sort of guy there. Um, And then, like you said, the Jalen Phillips pick also, a lot of maturity there. To see him pick an edge rusher, a defensive lineman in round two, um, clearly understanding that he needs to address the defense in these sorts of ways. And he adds Parsons and Phillips in this draft. So that's, that's so big. And then, um, yeah, the, the trade up or the trade in actually to get Amon Ra was something that I think everybody took a step back on and said, Holy shit, Tim <laughs> is like, Tim wants it now. Like he's in like, um, I mean, he did yeah. forfeit his one of his compensatory <laughs> his selections, oh. but we're not going to talk about that. I didn't know that. The Some Tim, things never change. The Tim M.O. is coming to the draft, be excited for the 
first round and then kind of just phase out and just <laughs> become detached from the draft. And the fact that everyone saw him moving around and like using a note card in the third round was just a complete shocker. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, all right. Well, final grades for Tim. I don't know how harsh to be. Should I give him an A minus or an A? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm going an A, like you said, with the maturity of it. I love the Jalen Phillips pick. I mean, coming in to get his guy, knowing when he needed to come in to get his guy, not doing it too soon, just at the perfect time to just go snag a Manra, um, and the Michael Carter pick, and just the the perfect mix of like positions, but while also not like going too against BPA to do it. I, I think that's very worthy of an A. Yeah. I'm going to go with an A minus. Oh. And... <laughs> Rough. Rough. It's literally Caleb. just, it's literally just because if I saw Terrace in that instead of Rondale, I think this would be like one of the best drafts I've seen. Maybe. I'm... I'm switching to A minus because I forgot I brought that up. Yeah, A minus. Yeah. I wish we would have got Terrace. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you guys. I mean, obviously I have a little bit of bias, but um, Rondale I wouldn't have had as a first round player. Um, thought there were other opportunities there, but I mean, it's it's get your guys, and if that's his guy, like I like that a lot for him, and I love everything else that he did. Um, so I'm going to give him an A. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and just, you know, trust that he knows something about Rondale and just go with it. So you get an A from me, buddy. Good job. You can start listening to the podcast again. <laughs> Good times ahead for Tim. It should be a fun <laughs> few years. <laughs> I, I'm just going to insert this because I read the 2017 year to review today. And the, it was, I think, one season away from the infamous teardown. And you made a comment about how Tim's team was set up for years to come. And as it turns out, it was just a singular year to come. Narrator. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, oh, as long as we're on the subject, quick little interlude. Season in review 2020 does exist. Ooh. It does exist. Wow. It's not finished, but it does exist. And I will definitely have that finished before the start of 2021. So look awesome. forward to that sometime this month. Sweet. All right. Moving on. Caleb, you're up next. You were pick number three in the draft. You made a trade right before the draft to secure the rights to select Najee Harris, premier piece. Um, and your your remaining haul of the night included a trade which landed you Jamin Davis, Richie Grant at the end of the second, Dwayne Eskridge in the fourth, and Ernest Jones with your post-fourth round selection. So, Frazier, you got Caleb right here. What are you going to tell him about his draft? As a whole, I loved it. I, if I'm including the Kittle trade in this, I thought it was amazing because your team was in the position where you were like a fringe playoff contender and you you use those, those bunch of late-round picks where the odds are kind of against you to hit some impact 2020 guys. And you use them to not only get George Kittle, but to also move up 
to get Najee, the the one running back who everyone, as a consensus, is pretty ex- well expecting that he's going to be an impact player right out of the gate this year. So as a whole, I love how you had all those late picks, and it was kind of like, oh, what's he going to do with them? And he went in and got George Kittle, moved up for Najee. Um, even the Jamin pick while or the trade while I think it was super aggressive and could backfire I just love like just sending it like that just getting rid of the 23 first if Jamin's a superstar I'll never need it so I just love the aggressiveness of that trade so I feel like we're just uh we're just praising everyone so far, but I also enjoyed Caleb's draft as well. <laughs> it's that sort of draft, man. I mean, there were there were so many good players, and I mean, like, um, I like like you said. I mean, Caleb comes in, he makes what I thought was like you just said a really nice trade for Jamin Davis. This was a player that we talked up. The whole pre-draft process. It was we had set him up to be IDP one in the web draft, which everybody thought he was going to be. And Tim shocked the world. And Caleb came in knowing full well that Colin was picking Jamin on value. I mean, th- this uh, sure Jamin. Yeah, I mean, this is a linebacker. If he works out, that's ten years of production. But like. In Colin's situation, Caleb diagnoses the fact that, yeah, maybe linebacker isn't his biggest concern right now. He swoops in, throws a first his way, and now he gets this premier asset to plug into his defense on a team that's ready to compete for a championship. So, um, love, yeah, lo- exactly like you said, love the aggressiveness on that trade. Um, Richie Grant was at the time, it seemed like a reach. I think some people were scratching their heads until all of a sudden, a lot of owners at the top of the third started saying, Oh, God damn it. I wanted Richie Grant. So it's kind of a perfect little exercise on get your guys because you never know what everybody else is thinking. Um, and Dwayne Eskridge in the fourth, that's just, that's just stupid value. I mean, that is just ridiculous value. Uh, in the fourth round. So, I mean, I, yeah, we're praising everybody, but I mean, you cannot, you can't say anything about this draft. You, it, it, this was a, a really nice, a really nice draft. I love the Richie Grant pick too, especially when you look at like a team that's going for that championship right away. You look at the offensive players that were on the board and none of those guys are helping you win the 2021 title. Like, Mari Rogers, Tiami Brown, Nico Collins, those guys are probably going to need a few years and just go get that safety that's got that starting job and can you can feel good about putting right into your lineup. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The, those two weeks leading into the draft and like during the draft were just a whirlwind because, I mean, I'll let you guys into what my, I was, I was very conflicted on what to do, whether to sell out, go all in, or take my guys if I would have stayed at 8, 10, and 11, it would have been Bateman, Jamin, and then either Elijah Moore or Terrace Marshall. And that's why I really liked all those guys. Well, that's why it was very hard for me to decide whether I wanted to move up or go trade for someone. But then that, that three-teamer with George Kittle sort of popped up, and all of a sudden you know, I'm giving up two, two of those late firsts, but I'm getting uh, a guy at a position where I just have never really been good at ever. 
and like always just floating these mediocre guys. So I, I bring in Kittle, bring in elite talent. And I mean, Najee was always the one I wanted to go get. And it seemed like it was going to be impossible. Riley was really throwing out some asking for a lot. It was it was a lot. So instead of trading up for Najee from eight, I traded up to what was it like four or five, wherever Tim was traded just in front of his first, yeah, the fourth, first of his picks. So in that scenario, I could just stay there and take Javante and Et- or Etienne, and then I'd, I'd be feeling all right. But after I made that trade, I was just like, God, I'm so close to Najee. I can just go get him. And uh, we were able to work something out, and I got him. And obviously, that was the top guy I was looking to acquire. But, uh, of course, after that, honestly, these, these three guys, Najee, Jamin, and Richie Grant, were my three biggest targets going into the night. Um, Jamin, I didn't think was going to be possible. I I figured Tim was going to be taking him, and then I probably would have settled for... I talked to Callum before the draft that I would trade up to that pick to take Parsons. Um, but all of a sudden, Jamin falls there, and it's like, you know, I was willing to take this guy at the 10th pick. I, I give up a 23 first where, you know, that's a couple years down the line. Jamin fits that arc archetype of you know a Roquan or a Devin White where he's got that speed and versatility so grab him I was really happy about that and then Richie Grant was that third guy I was really looking to get um I just wasn't sure where to take him and uh I was talking to Riley I was like dude you're not gonna guess who I might take here and he's and like he was listed one name I was like nope and he's like then he said Richie Grant the second name and I was like well all right I rushed to the podium I'm like if Richie Grant is on his mind I'm, I'm gonna go take him now and then seeing other owners like I think it was like Parker and Calvin were like god I was looking to get him there at the top third I was like all right there was no way I was gonna maneuver out of um, maneuver into getting Richie Grant. So getting there at the end of the second, that works for me. Probably almost a plug-and-play guy at my DB spot. Dwayne Eskridge, I was shocked to see him there in the fourth. Got a lot of hype. Second-round pick. He's old, but a uh, big fan of his game. And then Ernest Jones. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I even managed to make that pick at that <laughs> the night. I'll be honest. I don't remember taking him. But... Uh, uh, he was the guy I was sort of targeting maybe late in the fourth where that Rams linebacker spot is always so productive and, you know, a rookie coming in. Um, I, I knew a little bit about him, well-rounded sort of guy. So I figured, you know, that might be somewhere I can just throw on my taxi squad. Maybe he pops up sometime this season. So, yeah, I was really happy with the draft. Got my top three targets on a couple guys I like later. So, yeah, very, very happy with what I came away with this year. I love the creativity of not just like shutting down when you couldn't, when you realize you probably weren't going to be able to trade to three from eight or 11 or whatever it was. And instead of just like shutting down and taking your guys, like, you know what, I'm just going to go to go to five and then we'll see what happens from there. It'll be a little bit easier for um, who's ever at three to move back to five and then to move back to eight or 10 or something like that. Yeah, I love the I love the artistry of the board. I mean, that's such a that's such a big deal. I mean, whether it's draft night or before, um, just finding ways to to kind of farm that value um, in ways that you maybe didn't even expect. And to go and I mean, I said this on the on the takes podcast. I said you have the ammunition to get Najee Harris. You have to do it. You have to go out and get this guy. It fits your window. 
it's a perfect player for you. And you went out, you made the moves necessary to do that. And that's what winners do in web. So, um, really like what you walked away with. I mean, obviously the top end speaks for itself, but even finding that value later on with guys that, you know, could contribute, um, down the line, down the line. I mean, Ernest Jones kind of getting some buzz, um, in IDP circles right now with that Rams role. So, um, really like what you did, Caleb. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, Frazier, you got a grade for him? I'm giving him an A. <laughs> I, <laughs> Let's go! I don't know. Don't, can't think of anything that I would have done differently. Um, I love it when aggressive as people know. So anytime a team goes out and just does whatever he can, you send it, send it this year. I just love it. So, A. Yeah, I mean, Richie Grant is like, it's it, that's a tough one just because, like, my mind wants to say that's a little bit of a reach, but my heart wants to say, go get your guys. And I'm pretty sure my heart always wins in fantasy football <laughs> for better or for worse. So I'm going to have to applaud your efforts, Caleb, to go get your guys. And I hope that Richie Grant thrives. And I really like what you did um, on draft night. So I am going to give you an A. Oh, all right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we are on an A streak. That first B is going to hit like an atom. Yeah, bottle. it really is. He's <laughs> the new F. <laughs> oh, all right. Man. Um, moving on. Riley, number four here. Uh, part of that little three-way trade, he ends up with the fourth pick, which was Javante Williams. And from there, he added Elijah Moore in the first, added Trey Lance in the aforementioned deal with Frazier, Zaven Collins, Jason Owe, and Trayvon Merring, and Carl Lawson on the defense, and then Tutu Atwell as well at the top of the fourth. So, uh, Frazier. Riley's night. What do you think? I liked it. I thought he let the draft come to him, which is kind of what you should be doing in his situation. Didn't make a lot of aggressive moves, just kind of took what was given to him. He wanted Trey Lance, thought he was going to get Trey Lance at uh, 14 or, or 16 or whatever that pick was. So it goes up, gets Trey Lance. So he does get one guy. But other than that, he kind of just let the talent fall to him. Um, so yeah, I like where he where he got some guys. I like the uh, Jason Oway pick a lot, getting that type of upside in the fourth at a premium defensive position, and even uh, Carl Lawson I think could be an interesting tradable piece this year that he picked up. I think with the last pick in the fourth round. So I liked Riley's night. It was pretty quiet, but it was successful nonetheless. It, it was a quiet night, but in the weeks leading up, it was anything yeah. but. I mean, he, he I applaud for what he did because I was pretty much in on a lot of these <clears throat> trades. But to wedge himself into spots where he would could get his guy, but also suck out as much value as he could, like trading down for Javante and then with that little three-team thing with Colin to wedge himself in there. And then to get himself into the perfect spot to get where he knows he's getting Elijah Moore, who wanted oh so bad, 
to put himself in these spots to get like the two guys he for sure wanted. I mean, it's kind of like what I did. Um, but that he gets his two guys, and then you know go to the second round here. Trey Lance, um, obviously makes uh, the trade for him, and if he likes that upside more, I respect that too. Zayvon Collins is an interesting one actually because. Again, I was sitting by Riley for that second round there, and he literally asked me, who do I take here, Michael Carter or Zayvon Collins? And I told him Zayvon Collins. Um, I don't know if that, that might have been the deciding factor. I mean, he, he said he was pretty up in the air. So um, my, I guess my thought process on that one was, you know, we see these guys, you know, mid-round running backs who there's a lot of hype coming into the season, and, you know, maybe – Michael, I like Michael Carter, could have a good season, but it's also a Jets team where uh, you don't know if they're going to do all that great this season, and then they could easily invest in a running back in the first or second round next year, and all of a sudden you wasted a second-round pick on a player, whereas Zayvon Collins is going to come in and most likely be a starter as a linebacker on the Arizona Cardinals team. So I think you get more instant production and safer long-term uh, production from a Zayvon Collins, and that kind of fits his window a little better too. So um, that was my thought process on telling him Zayvon Collins, and that's who he went with. And uh, fourth round, I, I mean, don't really have any qualms. I mean, Jason Oway, I like Tutu Atwell. You know, getting anytime you can get a second round receiver in the fourth round, you got to do it, no matter um, the size or the talent of the receiver. But uh, loss and sneaky pick at the end there too so yeah really nice draft by riley i like what he did i like what you said about the the saving pick too where because when you look at that i feel like webb as a whole is a little bit sketched out by these running backs that get pushed up by their situation not necessarily their talent and i feel like there's a strong possibility that if they don't perform up to that or if they come out and just like suck like Keyshawn Vaughn, that all of a sudden your web value is just down the drain where you can stash Keyshawn Vaughn on your taxi squad in year two and probably not have to worry about anyone sniping him. A uh, little bit of a ricochet shot there on Keyshawn Vaughn, but <laughs> I yeah, just the, the I mean I had the same thing happen sort of with McFarland too. Yeah. Yeah, running backs are just, uh, you know, it's so difficult in web because, like, in one sense, you see Trey Sermon and Michael Carter and you say this is a potential gold mine in the mid-second. And on the other hand, it's like, well, this could be a complete waste of my mid-second. So um riley makes the decision there to go zaven right in between those two running backs um which i think you know time will tell uh if that was the right decision but i think in his situation especially the fact that he trades tremaine edmonds in a in a deal earlier before the draft um and he also traded fred warner on draft night and he picks up, uh, you know, uh, an say. asset that he eventually ends up moving for, you know, Isaiah Simmons, which was a premier player from last year's class. Um, so, you know, I, I like what Riley did. I mean, it's easy to look at his overall like evening and kind of, you know, he had four fourth round picks. So it's like, I'm looking at some names here 
And I like some of the value that he got, but like Trayvon Maring wasn't a guy that I was really honed in on from a fantasy angle. Um, seems like he's going to be playing more of that like deep safety role. Not really sure on that. And then, you know, I, I can't fault you um, for taking 2-2 at the top of the fourth. I mean, like you said, Caleb, that's second round draft capital in the fourth round. That's, you know, what are you going to do? But at the same time, I mean, I... I don't really, I, I don't love seeing Tutu anywhere. So like even there, I'm just kind of going to be like, okay, it was fine. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of Riley's night came before the draft. Um, the positioning that he did to get both Javante and Elijah Moore, um, really impressive there. Um, but you know, in terms of draft night, I mean, he, he did good. I mean, we're, I'm not trying to say that he did, he didn't ha- have a good, uh, haul at the end of things, but I mean, um, contrasting to these first three teams that we looked at, I can definitely see, um, you know, how this team is, you know, it, it not, uh, didn't quite get that sort of value out of their night. Yeah. When you factor in the positioning aspect, which I did with Caleb, so I'm going to do it again with Riley. Um, then it's close to an A for me with with the way he was able to maneuver. But yeah, if you separate it just by draft night, I thought he was he was quiet. I think at times he was a little bit rattled. He did a lot of uh, asking people who to take. Caleb had a story. <laughs> he asked me a couple times who to take. So I think he might have might have been going a little quick for him on draft night. But other with the positioning, <laughs> I think it's still still an A for me. Yeah. Um, like I said, yeah, the positioning and everything. Um, I mean, the fourth round, maybe there's a couple things. Like, I'm not a big 2-2 guy, but and honestly, Trayvon Merrick would probably not tr- t- touch my roster. Uh, but I don't know how hard I want to grade on those. Um, so I think might be is an A- minus or an A for me. I think may- maybe some of the second guessing gets me off of him, but I, what are, what are you doing, Mingo? <laughs> All right, let me. I'll go first. Uh, I'm gonna give him a B. I'm gonna give him a oh, B. Oh wow! Oh no. Um, which you know, yes, I know it drops like a hammer after three A's, but a B is a good night. I think he had a good night. He got you know players in the first round that are gonna help him as he should in the first round. Um, and after that, I thought it was just generally like solid, like it was a solid night. I mean, the, the trade up for Lance, I mean, you give up an asset like Friermuth, like you're kind of banking on Lance being at least like somewhat better than Justin Fields out of that. So, um, I think there, like you said, there was a little bit of hesitancy, not quite as much conviction as the first three. Uh, owners that we talked about. So I'm going to give him a solid B, which is a good grade, by the way. Ruin the 4.0. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go a minus. I think I didn't really fact think about, you know, Firemuth would have been a pretty nice add to this team. You know, he's got Hunter Henry, but looks like he's dealing with injuries again. And he's kind of in this weird situation with Janu. And then, um, I don't know some of those fourth thrown picks I would have kind of moved around but uh, him getting into the spots to get his guys at the top who he's obviously more interested in still keeps it up there for me so A minus alright 
Moving on to our other expansion team, as it happens. Colin is next. Uh, another team that did some positioning pre-draft and ended up with the fifth pick in which he landed his guy, Devontae Smith, polarizing player, um, and then had quite a few moves on draft night and ultimately only ended up making one other pick, which was a trade up in the third round for Josh Palmer. So taking into consideration those two picks and the trades that he made, what did we think about Collins' night? I I liked his draft process as a whole. I think Colin has showed some real uh, maturity as far as his roster assessment and just a uh, general just general thought process to his team. He kind of looked at it and he's like, "This is going to be a longer process." So he focused on the future for pretty much the whole night and his positioning. He had the opportunity to. I think he was at 1.2. He had, he had the opportunity to take Kyle Pitts, but he knew that he needed to keep adding assets. He traded back to the point where he could take Devonta. Um, we already talked about how we liked that. And then even late in the draft, it was just always a focus of his to keep just accumulating draft assets. And if you go look at his page right now, he has a lot, a lot of picks. He's got... 323 first now he's got a lot of second and third rounders stacked up so i like that he kind of just didn't get impatient he didn't try and get up to go get any of his guys other than looks like josh palmer was a trade up i don't remember what that trade was offhand but i think the focus of most of his trades was just accumulating picks in the future which i think was the right mindset for the night yeah, I agree with what you said about the maturity, that this is more of a long-term game here. He's now got three 2023 20, firsts in a draft class that is looking promising early. Um, you know, doesn't make a lot of picks t- that tonight or that night. Um, Devonta, the one thing about that, the, the sort of the three-team trade with me, t- me and Tim, I feel like he could have gotten a little more value out of moving down that one spot. I mean, he got a free... 2023 third and and he knew he was going to get his guy but he also had me and tim who were both kind of like not really panicking but like trying really hard to get into position to get our guys so i feel like he maybe could have taken a little more advantage of that maybe gotten uh, a second out of that or a couple thirds from each of us um but he still gets devonta smith his guy and then he gets another one of his guys josh palmer um who, I mean, looking at the receivers that were available around that part, it was probably around where he'd be going. Um, Tutu Atwell, Dwayne Eskridge, Tyler Moore. So can't vault him for moving up to get one of his guys when he only has two picks. So, yeah, um, I think long-term, this is a nice little draft for Colin, and we'll see if uh, these wide receiver picks pan out for him. Yeah, I mean, the the Devontae Smith situation, I mean – it's everybody knew that he wanted to move out of two. I mean, that, that pick was a premium commodity. It was available. You had multiple suitors that wanted that pick. Um, and honestly, I mean, Devonte Smith was as likely to be that pick as Kyle Pitts was when Colin held it. So, 
Um, on one hand, I, I understand the the idea that maybe there was a little bit more value to be had there, especially considering how talented the top of this class is. Um, but you know, you get your guy three spots later and you add a little bit of value. I mean, I still feel like that's overall a plus move, um, for him there. And the Josh Palmer move, I mean, that was a, uh, he moves up from four Oh three and throws in a third next year. Um, so, you know, pretty, pretty standard trade up there to get a guy, uh, in the, at the end of the third that he really likes. So yeah, I mean, solid night. Uh, the Devante pick is going to make or break the, the evening. I mean, it's, if he ends up being a superstar, you know, you got that guy at five, you got your building block for the future, um, and you're set up. Um, and then, you know, trading out with, uh, drafting Jamin and then picking up that additional first. I mean, it's, it's certainly a wait and see sort of evening for Colin, which in his position is exactly, you know, where his team is at, you know, he's not, he has no aspirations for 2021. So it's, it's all about the value, like Frazier said. And, and I feel like he did a pretty, uh, solid job of that. So in that sense, Frazier, would you like to start us off with a grade for Colin? I, I will. Um, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm going to get a little bit harsher here. I'm going to start, I'm going to start coming in. I'm going to give him a B. Oh, wow. Uh, so <laughs> harsh, dude. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be solely because if I were him, I would have just stuck at two and just taking Kyle Pitts. But if he, if Devonta's a superstar and Kyle Pitts uh, kind of disappoints a little bit, maybe not exactly what we think he's going to be, um, that more power to Colin. But if I were him, I would just stay put and just taking Kyle Pitts unless I got just a super offer. So I'm giving him a B for that reason, but I cannot fault a, a guy for positioning himself to get the guy that he wanted. Yeah, Except I'm gonna. I just did fault him because I gave him a B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sort of in that same headspace. I'm, I'm gonna give him a B, a B too. I mean, honestly, these are two guys I I'm not super high on. It's been talked about, um, but obviously going and getting your guys. He trades up for Palmer, which I mean I don't mind when he when he really only has the two picks this year. Um, and then Devonta, he trades down. Like I said, I thought he could have gotten a little more value, but um, that's all right. Gets his guy. And then he he goes and gets another 23 first, with, which I think is really nice. I think he's building really good for the future. So overall, um, yeah, I think, I think I'm actually I'm going B minus. B minus is my grade for Colin. Yeah, I'm also going to go B minus. Um, and that's, you know, once again, I feel the need to reiterate that's a that's a positive grade that lands you on B honor roll. Uh, so you know that's that's a good thing. That's what that's we good want. Discount in your car insurance. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you have uh, when you walk away from the night making two picks, I mean, they you're we're working with with uh, you know less than these other teams that have these massive hauls. Obviously, that's a disadvantage. Um, right there but then you look at the process um, and yeah I mean I I agree 
I think, you know, he had the number two pick. That's premium, you know, ridiculous capital um, in a class like this. Could he have milked that a little bit more? Maybe. Um, so, yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll start there. Um, but still, I mean, obviously, I love the Devontae pick. That's, that's my guy. Um, and the Jamin trade. That's a huge plus for me. Um, love that move for him. Love that he picks up a first and still uh, added a pick in the draft, which he ultimately traded out of um, for a couple of other thirds. So, you know, just adding adding capital down the line. Uh, but, yeah, solid little B minus. We'll go with that. Uh, Parker. Parker's up next. Uh, was a team that faced a little bit of a dilemma on the clock when it struck on draft <laughs> night uh, with seventh pick. That was, that was sort of the moment of the draft where everybody was unsure of what was going to happen. Some people expected him to move that pick for something else, uh, but he ultimately stayed pat and chose Jalen Waddle who fell. Um, and then he also added uh, some defensive assets, Quiddy Pay and Javon Holland in the third round, and came back with a couple of Anthonys in the fourth with Ferkser and Schwartz, and Ramondre Stevenson with his compensatory selection. So uh, the two-time Web.com champion, Parker, what do we think? Uh, I thought he got a little bit of an unexpected... Uh, with what he is, I think he was expecting to get a running back with that pick based on what Tim had been kind of smoke screening the whole year, which with the Waddle stuff. So I think he was surprised to have to take Waddle there. Like he also kind of wanted to move this pick, like you mentioned, for maybe a more instant impact guy. But um, I think he did the best with what was served to him with the Waddle pick. He just took the took the best talent on the board. Um, take the guy that you think would still be appealing to the person that maybe you want to trade with. Um, and I like that he added some potential defensive players that he can slot in. Um, he's got a pretty good defense already, but he keeps keep piling in that youth, kind of restock the cupboards just in case something happens. So I, I think it was similar to Riley's where he kind of just let it come to him and just took took solid picks the, the whole way. Yeah, I might be a little harsher on Parker here. Um, honestly, not much he could do with the first pick. I think he was also hoping to get a running back there. Tim going ETN kind of spoils that. Could have seen him trading out of there, but Jalen Waddle is a nice value right there. Um, I don't know. He gets these defensive players in the third round, but they're two guys that I'm just not sure. Honestly, my thing with defensive linemen, I feel like Unless you're getting one of the elite prospects, like Quiddy Pay's good, he's a first rounder, but unless they're like one of the really top freaky athletic guys that you know you're really pounding the whoa, table whoa, for, whoa, I whoa. what? Quiddy what? is a freak. Come on, eh. he's, he's not he's a he's freaky. not an edge guy. He's a freak though. Yeah, he's not a yeah, true edge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just don't see. He's sort of like one of those guys where it's like a I don't know. I was thinking like Marcus Davenport or. Like I we keep seeing like Josh Allen from the Jags. Like I keep seeing these guys. Okay. It just takes. We're not going to do so the Josh Allen thing. Right watch now. them pan out. I don't think it's worth it. 
opened just up a whole new can of worms on how to value defensive linemen and web apparently. Thanks, Caleb. Sorry. Um, Who would you have yeah, taken so, instead? Let's let's twist it back to you. Let's see. Where's he at? Quitty pay. Thirty one. Nick Bolton. Ooh. Can't fault him for saying that. Nick Jones. Kenneth Gainwell. Oh, I like those first two names you said there, Caleb. Who who picked those guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all three of those guys, I feel like, and like a quitty pay first rounder. Like I said, can't blame him. But and then J- Javon Holland. Like uh, I don't, I just don't know if I see a ton of upside with him either. Like I don't know if he's instant impacts. Just DBs are kind of you can find those waiver wire guys, and that's why I was more high on Richie Grant because he was one of the few guys. Really, honestly, the only guy in this class I thought could be like an instant impact player. So that's why maybe I'm a little lower. And then the Ferkser pick, uh, I guess I don't mind that there. He was like pretty much the only tight end left that was good. I was just sweating out that he was going to take Dwayne Eskridge from me before that pick. I was asking him who, and then he said Ferkser. I was like, oh, I mean, you can't fault him there. Like that could be a startable tight end going forward, but I was surprised he didn't go Eskridge. And then Anthony Schwartz is a turd. I, I don't think he even needed to be drafted. Um, yeah, sorry. Told you I was going to get harsh here. There's just a lot of names here I don't really like. So, um, hey. Mondra Stevenson, I don't mind. But, yeah, that's that was sort of what I thought of it. <laughs> this is all about honesty, and this is all about real analysis. That's what 2021 <laughs> yep. web podcast right. is going to be. <laughs> We're not okay. being nice anymore. Um, I'm going to come at this from a different angle, though. Um, I I agree that you know this this class in particular, when contrasted to the last five, um, yeah, you can definitely find some things to pick at here. Um, one thing I'm going to look at is the fact that there were no there was no board movement uh, with Parker, and I think. Um, when you look at the third round specifically, um, there were some players that were falling a little bit um, that were right in that range. Um, you know, you have Pat Fryermuth, Amon Ra, uh, the two picks right ahead of Quiddy Pay. Um, felt like maybe there was an opportunity there for him to kind of get up into that early third and, you know, get a guy like that. But, I mean, if if his focus was on defense, then it's hard to it's hard to fault him there. I mean, yeah. you know, um, so it's 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 one of those things where it's like uh, an owner goes into the night with a process with a plan, um, and we're just kind of here to analyze you know analyze what the board looked like in the end result. Um, but yeah, definitely thought that there were some opportunities there that were potentially missed on that angle. Um, and the Jalen Waddle pick, I mean, yeah, the board, unfortunately, maybe for him, fell that way. I mean, this was a player that was talked about number one overall six months yeah. ago <laughs> and now is number seven. And people are still kind of, you know, now everybody's like, mm, okay, Jalen Waddle, like, what is that? Like nobody wanted to move up to seven to take him. Parker didn't want to draft him. So it's like um, you don't really know what you have there in Waddle. That could end up being a major home run and just a kind of a whiff on Webb's part. Um, so, you know, you definitely cannot fault Parker at all for staying there and, and making that pick. But 
Yeah, I thought there were some opportunities later in the draft to maybe move around a little bit, get a little creative with it, and he kind of stayed pat and just took some guys there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in between. I'm kind of in between both of you on this one. I do like Quiddy Pay as a player, unlike Caleb, but yeah. Um, really... I like him as I, I don't like him as a fantasy asset. I, okay. I don't mind him as a player. Okay. I'm still reeling from the Quiddy Pay, not a freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He runs a good three cone. <laughs> I was getting off the rails a little bit there. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh draft grades for Parker. I'm giving him a giving him a B. Um I think he would have liked to do more with that pick. Pick seven, then uh, um, stick book and take Waddle. But I think he's kind of got put in a spot where he kind of just had to stay put because he's got to kind of save it to make a move that he, I think, wants to make before or during the early part of the season. And um, I like the shots on defense a little bit more than Caleb did in the third round. So, um, and also, I, I can't fault once you get into the third and fourth rounds, it's tough to even pick other people that you would have taken so i'm giving them a solid b yeah i'm going with a d here um i aired out what i had to say there earlier and also i he's the only team that didn't make a trade besides carter who we'll get to later who wasn't even here so i don't know if we didn't have like i don't know if he didn't have targets in mind that he was uh, or unless he got his guys exactly where they fell but being i don't know i felt like there could have been some movement pitch together a couple of these later picks to move up for someone. But I, I would like to hear his side of the story. I don't want to just rip on his draft without knowing all the details. So, um, but yeah, D for me, this is sports media, Caleb, you're doing exactly yeah, what you're right. supposed to be doing. The headlines um, are going to be, I'm going to have some big time clip. This is, bait yeah. this is shockingly harsh. No, you know what? I I'm on board. I'm on board because you know what? It's like everybody, we go into the night and you you can only do with or you can only make so much out of what you have. And that's a fair point. But I think that there were opportunities that were missed, um, whether or not that was a product of, you know, he didn't like those players, which would explain, you know, why he wouldn't make those moves or if he just, you know, thought it was more applicable to stay pat and take take the guys that he wanted in those spots. So um, from afar, I'm going to kind of agree with Caleb a little bit more in the sense that the third round left a little bit to be desired. The, the Javon Holland pick. I mean, I like that a lot actually. And the third, like last pick of the third starting safety um, like that. But you know, in, in terms of the whole product, I mean, I think those two thirds could have been packaged together maybe to make a move. I don't know. That's all speculation. I'm going to end up, I'm going to split the difference here. I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to give him a C. All right. All right. And on that note, let's move on to the money makers. So came into the evening. No surprise. What happened at number nine? There was no smoke screen there. It was Trevor Lawrence all the way. Made a trade, landed Terrace Marshall, Amari Rogers at the end of the second, Nico Collins, Nick Bolton, and Mac Jones in the third, and Derek Barnes with my compensatory pick. I loved the Terrace Marshall trade. 
I'm <laughs> certain with that. I praised you for it, draft night. Um, I mean, with your team, Brandon Cooks, I also thought it was funny. I, I looked back on that initial Brandon Cooks trade, and it was your 2021 first that you had traded for Brandon Cooks initially. Um, so I, I thought that was uh, pretty funny and ironic. But I love that you just want to, I mean, Brandon Cooks isn't doing much for this team. And I think this is before the Michael Thomas news, right? Yeah. It was, yeah. So Brandon Cooks at that point wasn't fitting into this team. He was just a depth piece and just kind of using him to move up a pretty significant amount to get your specific guy that you wanted. And I feel like you've been doing a good job at that. of just taking these vets that you realize are still useful to some teams, but maybe not to your team and just using them to go up and get these, these younger guys that are maybe not as heralded as the top prospects like T Higgins and Terrace Marshall and using that to get those guys. So I love that. And then the rest of your draft, I, so many things were happening that I still don't even know what you all did, but it was just a smorgasbord of getting your guy. I mean, it seemed like it was at every point. We're just like, yeah, I got my guy here in the third. So, yeah, I, I loved your draft. Yeah, I also loved this draft. Just from top to bottom, I like all these players. Um, I see that you traded up for Terrace, traded in for Nico, traded up for Bolton, traded in for Mac Jones. I don't remember half these trades, but um, Terrace Marshall, obviously, I talked about super high on. I really liked moving up for him. I was surprised to see. I was, I mean, pleasantly surprised to see who was your guy because um, you really you didn't leak anything about that. Like that was kind of a shock, honestly, that that was the guy you're moving up for. But I thought I really liked the aggressive move to go get him. Amari Rogers, right at the end of the second, I think is a good value, right around where he falls. You get your guy there. Don't even have to move. You just sit there, take him. And then moving in for a guy like Nico Collins, who I know we talked about on the Dynasty show, who has that sort of upside. Uh, obviously, the Texans quarterback situation isn't great, but he's got the tools to be a really good wide receiver. Nick Bolton, um, it'll be interesting to see how that Chiefs linebacker crew sort of works out, but he's going to have an opportunity to be a downhill thumper a tackle kind of guy. So I liked him in the third too. He could be a, possibly be a startable, startable guy later in the season. And then Mac Jones surprisingly falling to, in the third to, and you trading in to get him. I mean, that felt like a, a steal there as well, where we thought he was going to go a lot earlier. I mean, that was when there was still like 49ers talks, but like still uh, to get him in the third, I thought it was great. And then I know you like Derek Barnes a lot. So getting him in the, the, the extra part of the draft, um, chance to take over a starting linebacker job there. I like that too. So, yeah, top to bottom, I I really, really like what you did. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the Terrace Marshall thing was pretty close to the chest. Lawrence was broadcast to the world. I had to keep <laughs> a little bit of a surprise. Everybody knew I wanted Amari Rogers. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so, I mean, that Terrace, uh, that deal was ultimately a product of a trade that I made with Dan on uh, on NFL draft weekend, which was involving Noah Fant. Um, that landed me 205. 
um, at that specific moment in time with a little bit of uh, inebriation on my side. I, I felt like Amari Rogers was going to go at that spot, but as the as the uh, process you know carried out, I realized that that was that was a little early. Um, Twenty four felt right for him, and Terrace was my guy throughout the whole process. I mean, this was a player that I was contemplating um, when I still had, you know, 14. I was, that's kind of where I was positioned um, at that point to get him. Um, And saw an opportunity there with 17 to just kind of, you know, ensure that he was going to be on my team when it was all said and done. And Brandon Cooks um, really, truly believe he's an underrated player. I tweeted that out on draft day. Um, believe that a lot. Um, but Josh expressed interest in him and I felt like, you know, the role that he had on my team was not necessarily conducive to the role that Terrace could have later on for my team. So, um, felt Felt right to move up there a couple of spots just to secure him, a guy that I had a first-round grade on. We've talked about it a few times, a guy that could have went in the first in web. Um, So felt really good about that. And then, yeah, the third round was just – it was just like uh, one one after the other of guys that I I really wanted. I I wanted an early third for Nico Collins. That was part of the Brandon Cooks deal. Wanted to make sure that I got one of those picks for him specifically. Um, Nick Bolton was a guy that I really, really wanted because my linebacking core is completely shot and up in the air right now. Um, And he was a guy that I really, really liked, liked the opportunity, liked the tape, um, made the play for him. That was a pretty, you know, pretty decent price for that. Um, Moved up and paid two thirds, but um, was happy with that. And Mac Jones, three, three team trade in the third round. You don't get that very often <laughs> that came together in about five seconds. It worked out for every team involved. Loved that trade for everybody. Uh, Dan, Colin, and I all made sense for us, um, uh, was shocked that Josh did not take Mac Jones. And when I saw him sitting there towards the end of the third thought, there's no way I can let him fall any further. So um, yeah, I was, I was super happy with draft night. Um, Frazier said it, go get your guys. That's my motto always has been. And, um, other than Michael Carter, thanks Tim, I got every single player I targeted going into the night. So, yeah, I'm interested to see just your team as like a case study, the way you've been operating at this past like couple of years. I feel like it might be like a sustainable thing where you, kind of just take these pieces that are just still useful and then you just somehow figure out a way to move to get your guys. I don't remember how you got pick eight. I'd have to go back and look. Amari Cooper. Yeah. See, yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Like, (laughs) just goes up. He has a guy. He's got T. Higgins. He gets T. Higgins. T. Higgins turns out to be really good. And it's just like I'm interested to see if this is a sustainable uh, strategy to where you could keep on keep on doing this for the long term where it's like hey i don't need my 23 first i'm still gonna be getting my guys then anyway <laughs> all i need is a few seconds i can make something happen so it's interesting i'm i like watching it pan out <laughs> yeah it was uh 
this this year in particular was a lot of maneuvering, a lot of weird things up and down the board in the second and things like that. I mean, it all started with, you know, getting Rodgers and then like needing Trevor Lawrence, like falling in love with him, um, seeing him as the future of my quarterback position, making a pretty substantial trade to get up to nine um, and locking that in. So, yeah, I mean, just. I've uh, been really happy the last two years um, in terms of, you know, I have targets and I've been able to get them. And so I've, I've been able to kind of move through these last two years, like with the team that I that I want coming out of the draft. So, like, that's been really nice. But, yeah, we'll see how sustainable that is moving forward. All right. Draft grades for the moneymakers. Um giving you an A just because you took this Deshaun Watson news in stride pretty much fixed your quarterback situation pretty much immediately with that get Rodgers now you got Lawrence and then I just love the Terrace Marshall trade because I I love him I kind of wish I would have taken him at 14 now knowing (laughs) what's unfolded here but yeah I just I love everything you did so it's an A for me I'm giving it an A plus. I don't oh. know if that's allowed on this grading scale, but I I can't imagine any other move that I would do or anything that would make the. Uh, I mean, to pull off these deals that you did in the heat of the moment, to go and get your guys to stick to your to, to your plan to get Trevor Lawrence, getting Mary Rogers in the perfect spot, and then finding a bunch of value in the third round, like the mid late third round with Nick Bolton, Mac Jones. I mean, um, yeah, just, just a great job from, from you. I'm proud of you. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Caleb, thank you so much. (laughs) Look at us all getting A's on our own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're never going to get a listener again. All right. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I guess. Uh, moving on to Josh. All right. So this was a team that had a first round pick and ultimately decided to move down and then move down again in the Terrace Marshall, Brandon cooks trade that we just talked about. Um, and he landed Trey sermon with his first pick of the draft in the second round. And then third round, uh, shocked. Everybody picked Von Miller, the vet. The legend, the future Hall of Famer with the new uh, defensive lineman scoring buffs in effect. And then found some value at the end of the fourth with a trade down and landing Tylen Wallace. And then also added uh, Marquez Callaway and Aziz Ojolari in the compensatory rounds. So a lot of trading down, a lot of maneuvering uh, for Josh. What do we think? Uh, as with always with Josh, I can never like follow what's happening. I mean, he's always got a plan and it's usually good. And I think he admittedly said he was still reeling from the Cam Akers injury. I think it was pretty recent at that point. So I still like what he did. I like the Trey Sermon pick. I don't think he's as, uh, bad at running back without acres as i initially suspect looking at his roster today so 
I think he maybe could have took a chance on something else rather than the boom bust Ray Sermon pick, but I still don't hate it. Um, the Von Miller pick, probably one of the most contentious picks of the draft as far as I I like it. Like when you look at it, third round pick. I mean, this is a guy that I think just recently he was out last year, but he just he got the DL eligibility last year, but he was out, so we didn't really think anything of it. So I think he kind of has been flying under the radar as a potential 10 plus sack guy at the DL position, which is, could be huge for a team that like Josh wants to contend. But at the same time, you look at Von Miller, and I think he was off everyone else's radar. Um, it's tough to fault Josh for doing that because he, at the time, he doesn't know that he's off everyone's radar. As far as Josh knows, maybe there's a bunch of people just sitting on Von Miller with their fourth-round picks where Josh didn't make another fourth-round pick until Tylen, which was pretty late, if I remember, 45. So it's tough to fault him for that. Um, and with the extra picks, he pitch, picks up Marquez Callaway, who's been has a nice little sleeper buzz going here. So Josh had an interesting night and I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on it. I'm, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm not ready to call it good or bad. Yeah. in classic Josh fashion, I can't figure out anything. Um, weird draft. I, I try, I can't decide. I think I like him going to get Trey Sermon. I kind of agree with you, Frazier, where his running back depth was a little better than I thought. And it sort of made me think, well, so this was the Terrace Marshall trade down, right, Mingo? So this, this would have been, that was the Cooks trade for this pick for right. Sermon? Yes. Okay, so I was I was just thinking, it's like, you know, you add Brandon Cooks, an underrated receiver, but you look at his receivers, and I feel like they're all underrated. At some point, you got to get a guy that's rated, <laughs> or shoot, <laughs> shoot for a Terrace Marshall, like, you know, run Robert yeah. Woods, Jarvis Landry, you got Brandon Cooks, but, like, I, I would... I know you're just reeling off the Cam Akers injury and you probably want to go grab Sermon, but I, I feel like Terrace Marshall, you know, going for an upside pick at wide receiver maybe could have been the move. I really can't fault him for going for Sermon, too, so kind of back and forth on that. The Von Miller pick is one of the most shocking of the draft. Um, he was not on my board. I didn't even think about him. Um, I, don't, I don't I don't hate the uh, – I feel like he could have traded down and got like Von Miller is probably worth like around he's gonna have like a third round value, but I don't think he was on other people's radars where you know he could have traded down instead of taking him ahead of guys like Pat Fryermuth, Amon Ra, so and Mac Jones, who was still there, who would have been a a lock, you would have thought, but he goes Von Miller. So that's an interesting pick. And then, you know, Tylen Wallace, fourth. So fine. I mean, and Aziz, honestly, I kind of like Aziz later, like in compensatory draft. Don't hate that. So uh, weird draft from Josh. Um, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts, Mingo? Yeah. I mean, it's like everybody just said, it's kind of a classic Josh draft where he's going to kind of do his own thing. He's always done this. Um, and the the cooks trade was something that was sort of stirring before draft night um i knew that i wanted to move up and he had expressed interest in cooks like i said so that felt like a good match and honestly i mean for him i i like the fit i like the cooks fit on his roster 
Um, feel like that's a pretty pretty good uh, situation to be in there. And he also moves down and adds Trey Sermon, who I'm not convinced he wasn't thinking about two picks earlier at 203. So um, thought that was a pretty good trade for him as well. Um, but yeah, the, the Von Miller pick just like really confused me because he had literally called his own shot on the takes <laughs> podcast and said, I'm taking back Jones <laughs> at the top of the third. And then, you know, I make the, the pick the trade for one of those picks and he has the chance to still take Mac Jones there. And he decides to go for 31 year old Von Miller. So um, yeah, I mean, say what you will about that pick. I mean, there's ways to defend it and go against it. It's just kind of, for me, it's like that it's fine. You know, if, if he views himself as a competitor this year and he has aspirations, um, then yeah, I mean, he, he needs a little bit of help on the defense for sure. This is a proven guy who's been there, done that. Um, can instantly help his defensive line. Um, and yeah, Trey Sermon is a guy who potentially a plug and play player, maybe later in the year. Um, we'll see about that, but yeah, I think, um, ultimately, uh, the, the move to, to kind of move down out of the first and then end up with 17 out of it. Um, I don't know. It, it felt like there was maybe an opportunity there to to improve on that value a little bit, um, and w- and with some of the picks that he made later on in the draft, um, yeah, could could have seen a little bit of improvement, like the Tylen Wallace value at the end of the fourth. I mean, um, that's just kind of a dart throw that you know at that point in the draft, I can't really see any players that have that much upside, um, even after they drafted Rashad Bateman as well. So. Um, yeah, that was a pretty good pick, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle as well on Josh's night. Um, so what does that mean in terms of a grade Frazier? I'm going to give him a B, but with the caveat that I, I just didn't, I just didn't like the pre-draft moves. I thought he was in a position at 12 initially to take some sort of premier talent and I think he kind of moved himself out of that for not really I don't remember exactly what he moved himself out of 12 but I just thought he should have probably stayed put there and just taken like one of the top linebackers or even even Terrace at that point or when he traded or when he had 14 maybe just taking Terrace there but giving him a B for draft night but uh, leading up to draft night it's like a C, so maybe I'll cut it right in the middle to say like a B minus. Yeah, man, I don't want to be too harsh again, but I'm going D plus. Uh, yeah, the trades beforehand, I don't know. I didn't wasn't a huge fan of the Tremaine Edmonds trade where he could have just taken uh, Parsons or, or Jamin there instead of him, and then he gave up uh, 207. We could have taken. Um, went went around there. I mean, he could have grabbed like a Michael Carter, a Zayvon Collins, Zach Wilson instead of a Gallup, which you could decide whatever side you want to. But and then not grabbing like a, a I mean Trey Sermon could be a boomer bust guy. Like I could see him coming away from this draft with just 
not really improving his team, like not coming away, but like looking at this draft like two years from now and being like, didn't really help him in the long run that much. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with Josh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, looking at the trade with 12, I mean, you know, you pick up lineup pieces, Tremaine Edmonds, um, and then Michael Gallup, who I do really like a lot. Um, but at the same time, you move out of 12, you move out of 207. Um, and when you look back in the draft, I mean, you see some players going in those spots or in those ranges that you're kind of excited about a little bit. So, I mean, if he didn't have guys in those spots, which I'm pretty sure is the reason that he made those trades or that trade, um, then whatever. I mean, that's that's your thing. If you're going to move out because you don't have a guy, like that's totally fine. Um, but in the end result, like you're saying, Caleb, I can I can see the the final product here, and I can definitely see a situation where, yeah, in like two years. Uh, we look back and just kind of say, you know, I don't really know what that did for your team. Um, but uh, flip side, I'm going to say Trey Sermon at 17 is pretty damn good value. If he ends up being the Shanahan RB1 moving forward, I mean, that's just stupid value at 17. So um, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give him a solid C plus, I think. Um yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to give him a C plus. Uh, all right, Dan, moving forward here. We got a few more teams, most of which don't have that many picks, but Dan is the exception to that. Um, he had a pretty loaded docket, but most of which came pretty late in the evening after that uh, Dr. McGillicuddy's bottle was gone. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dan uh, picked up Kadarius Tony. He was the one, when it was all said and done, to pick Tony towards the end of the second, added his guy Kenny Gainwell in the third in that three-team trade, and then Pete Werner in the fourth, and then four compensatory picks. He had Tommy Tremble, Tracy Walker, Chris Evans, and J.D. McKissick. So overall, what do we think about Dan's night? Um, pretty lukewarm on it. It's tough to criticize someone who made 75% of his picks after the fourth round, but uh, I just uh, I hate Kadarius Tony so much. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I just, uh, I wish, like if I was Dan, I feel like, I mean, looking at the next two picks, Jalen Phillips, I feel like would have been fun on his team just because it just adds to this like ridiculous strength that he already has. So you can just hoard that talent, maybe um, use it as trade ammunition because he's got Miles Garrett, he's got the new Hunter, he's got Aaron Donald. I mean, I wouldn't have hated him just being like, I'm taking Jalen Phillips, fuck all y'all. Um, or even just Richie Grant. I think his DBs are pretty pretty weak after um jesse bates um so i would have liked either of those two picks but i think my not liking of this pick just comes down to just i hate Kadarius tony um <laughs> and after that in the force i mean i think he picked up some players that can contribute to his title run this year in the fourth like jd mckissick so that's those are 
interesting picks. What else? There's some more. Tracy Walker, another DB. I just mentioned his DB depth, so he addressed that there. And Tommy Tremble, I think, is also an interesting taxi squad stash. So I'm lukewarm on it just because I hate I hate Tony. Yeah, I don't I don't mind this draft given what he had coming in. Um I'm on more of the other side of Tony, but getting a guy he likes, I know he likes at the end of the second there, not having to move. Um sure he liked that. I like that for him. Kenny Gainwell, another guy I know he likes quite a bit. He had a trade down and got him in the third. Then Pete Warner in the fourth could be competing for a starting linebacker job. And quietly, I like actually really like what he did in the compensatory rounds. Um, Tommy Tremble, like you mentioned, he's a guy with upside that could be as a tight end in that Panthers offense. Tracy Walker could be, he could maybe be a plug and play starter for Dan. And that's pretty solid at, I mean, for a compensatory pick. Chris Evans, Joe Mixon, possible handcuff. And then J.D. McKissick, uh, Gibson handcuff. But not only that, he if if they're still running the offense the same, he's got um, receiving upside as like a flex play if someone gets hurt. So um, I think Dan showed why he's always sort of near the top with how he's building his depth with player finding value outside of the fourth round with a bunch of guys here. So given what he had, I really actually like what Dan did. I'm somewhere in between with of both of you. Um, I don't know. I just you you look at the you look at the end product here, and it doesn't really excite me. It just I don't see. I mean, I like the Tracy Walker edition because that's a lineup piece. This is but this is a team that's ready to win right now. This is a team that should be going into 2021 as a championship favorite. And he did a lot of kind of moving out, moving down, moving out. Um, he he had some picks in the second that he ultimately moved on from. Um, Lands Kadarius Tony, which um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I I'm I I don't mind Tony, and the value there is like that's great. Like I I feel like that's the spot, but. At the same time, it's like it's not the sort of player that you look at and you feel excited. Like I don't see this guy, um, you know, threatening that that wide receiver room that he has. I mean, yeah, the depth is severely lacking in that regard. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like his uh, his kind of indifference to this draft class. He kind of voiced it. He wasn't super sold on it. Um, especially after the first round, um, ultimately kind of just led to a draft night that was sort of meh for me. Um, not in a bad way, but just kind of in an unexciting way. Um, don't really know Kenneth Gainwell, you know, what to expect there in terms of the Eagles. Um, could be a nice little, you know, play eventually, you know, especially as a handcuff um, to Miles Sanders, but. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just in the middle. It was just kind of an okay night for me for, for Dan. So grade wise, Frazier, what are you going? I'm going to go, I'm going to go a C just because I think, especially with where he was with Tony, I feel like. I, I guess I can't say for certain cause I'm going a foggy drunk web 
memories of the draft, but I think he wanted to go up and maybe get someone else, but he thought that they would get to him. And I think he kind of took Tony as just like a, Hey, this guy was a first rounder. He can't fault yourself for taking a first rounder here. So I think he was kind of expecting other people to be there and just kind of took Tony because kind of felt like he had to there. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, the rest is tough to, tough to criticize as they're all just so late. So I'm going to go with a, a C. I'm going to go with a B. Like, so not, I mean, didn't really have any high picks. Tony was late, but um, got a couple guys he likes early. And then I feel like he built his depth a little bit um, in the, the, the late fourth and compensatory rounds. So B for Dan. Yeah, I'll go C+. Plus. Um, yeah, I, I like the Tommy Tremble pick. Like, I like the Kadarius Tony pick. Don't get me wrong. I do like that pick. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out for him. Um, I know that given what he was working with, I mean, you know, you're not going to win a championship picking, you know, third and fourth round players, but, um, you know, I thought there was maybe a little bit of opportunity there that traditionally Dan takes, but it was a pretty quiet draft night for him. So, um, maybe that's where the feeling comes from for me, but yeah, um, thought it was solid C plus. All right, we have three teams left. Most, wow, most of which only made a few picks. So uh, we'll get through these pretty quickly. We got a longer episode here, but um, a lot to talk about. So we'll start with Calvin. Um, he only had two picks. Started in the third round, top of the third actually, with JOK. And then a trade down uh, in the fourth landed him Divine Diablo. Two picks on the defense. Stayed true to his word on behind the curtain in which he was going to address the defense. Um, Some later picks there, but he did, in fact, go two for two on defense. So what do we think? Um, I like the JOK pick. I mean, a little bit of a riskier pick, but this team needed some up. Some upside on defense. We talked about that leading up to the up to the draft. That there just wasn't a lot of things to excite you on this defense. So he made that JOK pick shortly after. Makes the Fred Warner trade. So I like that. Um, I don't know if I was just out of touch on the Divine Diablo, but I feel like this was the one player that I can say for certain that I just was not on my radar as a draft pick. Um, I thought this was kind of a a waiver guy after I had known of him, but I just would have never expected him to get picked, especially like I think it was early fourth kind of shocked me. Um, I don't even know that much about him. So I don't know how much I can even criticize him for. He could be a super sleeper. So it just <laughs> kind of shocked me. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I can pick it up. Caleb. I can fill you in on divine Diablo. I can fill you in on him a little bit. He was a guy I, I saw a little bit about um i mean he's he's a db so you would think going to uh the raiders where they have abram and they just drafted Merrig uh, is not good but he's listed at 6'3 223 and so basically the allure of him is that he could play sort of in the box as a linebacker possibly too so this could be a a sneaky foil luicon pick here trying to get ahead of it before he gets that linebacker eligibility on a team that 
is lacking depth at linebacker. Doesn't really have a standout guy right now. So um, I agree. Maybe top of the fourth is a little early for a guy that probably wasn't on many guys' radars. But um, a sneaky pick uh, for Calvin. And then just uh, looking at him. Oh, he's only he doesn't have L. Eligibility currently. He's only got DB eligibility. I honestly yeah. thought he was a linebacker when it, the pick was made up until right now. Thought he was a linebacker. Yeah, the thing was he was um well reading it, but he he was sort of like he ran a four four five and he, he was supposed to be like a guy who could play in the box more. So I think maybe he's trying to reach for that. I know there were some people who were hyping him up a little bit, but I agree that like early fourth, probably too a little too early. Um, but he goes defense twice. JOK top of the third. I like that for him. Um, another guy kind of where you have to see how he's utilized most likely as a linebacker, but he played some DB in college too. So Calvin started going for these little bit of a hybrid players. I guess we'll see how it pans out for him for with a team that needs some help on defense. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I really liked Calvin's night. Um, which is kind of weird because he had two late picks, but um, in the you know we're grading what the the owner was working with here, and for me it's like he kind of had JOK fall into his lap, and he you know he makes that pick that was you know definitely the right pick to make. Um, really like it for his team, really like the spot, the value of that player at the top of the third. Um, and then the Diablo pick, I mean, he traded down for that. And I I don't I don't hate the value that he got there. I mean, even if this player doesn't end up getting linebacker eligibility, I mean, there's enough of an opportunity there for that to happen where you kind of throw this dart at the top of the fourth and you know, maybe you walk away with a Foya Luicon who was, you know, one of the best most impactful defenders in web last year. Um, and he still picked up a third next year um, along with that. that so the... I think it was a pretty good, you know, dart throw on his on his part. And to kind of see that nuance from him late in the draft, which, you know, that's, you know, we've seen Kelvin. I mean, yeah, this is like seven years ago, but he guy who picked Colt Lyerla in the fourth round. I mean, now <laughs> he's like making galaxy brain plays. Um, picking a potential linebacker DB in the fourth. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good growth. And I, you know, when you're working with such little capital, um, yeah, I mean, that I, I feel like it was a pretty, pretty good night for him. The interesting part about that pick, too, that I didn't really think about initially is like the Divine Diablo before the taxi squad guys. That's just seems like a guy that just doesn't make it to your week one roster like at some point he gets cut for somebody but now with the taxi squad it's just a nice it's a nice stash you can kind of just keep him in that point Mm -hmm. you don't have to cut him for a veteran to fill in at some point so so i didn't really think about it in that way but that's a nice little adjustment that i like about the taxi squad yeah uh all right frazier you got a grade for calvin um, I'm going to go C plus. Caleb. I'm going B. I think he, J-O, yeah, like you said, JOK sort of fell into his lap. 
it's nice value for a trade down. Maybe goes a little earlier for Diablo, but is shooting for it. So, um, yeah, B for Calvin. Yep, I'm going to go B as well. I think it's a solid B. Um, like the plays that he made, wasn't anything like super flashy or exciting, but I uh, really like that for his team. Uh, all right, moving on to Dave, player that uh, oh. owner that we kind of uh, teased a little bit on his behind the curtain. What are you going to do with that fourth round pick you got there, buddy? Um, but he made a fucking play. He made a play. He moved up the board with his fourth round pick, and he chose Chuba Hubbard, the handcuff to his web MVP, Christian McCaffrey, was his one and only pick of the draft. So we're grading one fourth round pick here. <laughs> what do we think of Dave's I, evening? I'm giving him an A. Let's I was, go. I was so like good. Chuba was to the point where I was starting to try and like strategize how I was going to go get him, and um, so I think it was very close to that point. And Dave kind of knew where that point was. He showed up and. Uh, like the third round I think he showed up and he just did exactly what he needed to do to get the handcuff that he needed with what he had and I think just a very simple A for Dave from me (laughs) I'm also giving him an A (laughs) Uh, the solo fourth round pick honestly I didn't realize he traded up for him uh, I was probably out of it a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that move, I really like that. I mean, to only have one pick, I would have loved to see some fireworks for him to trade up for a quarterback, but to get a guy like Chuba, backup McCaffrey, and a good player in his own right, um, I really like that for Dave. Doing doing the most with what you got, got to respect the move. This is the definition of that, doing the most with what you have. That's exactly why this is an a plus for me. I'm just, I'm saying it, dude. I this whole the grades, you can't sit here and say, oh, Tim had five firsts. He gets an A and Dave gets a D because he had a fourth. Like, no. Dave had one pick. It was 410. And what did he do? He came in, spent a future fourth to move up six spots and get the handcuff to his premier asset, a handcuff role that just produced RB1 numbers a year ago in Mike Davis. This was a massive win with considering the circumstances. I mean, people were sleeping. People were out of their minds <laughs> at this point. And Dave is just out here making savvy moves at the end of the fourth. Love it. Love it so much. I'm giving this one pick an A+. Yeah, and we haven't even added the context of if Chuba would have came out last year, he probably would have been a borderline first-round web pick. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, love it. All right. Last but not least, eh. or maybe, <laughs> Carter. Carter was not present for the draft. He had a guest uh, scout, guest executive something in joe making selections for him um he was still i believe phoning in some of these picks um but uh as we've talked about for many of months he has been crippled in terms of draft capital and his fourth 
or his first pick came in the fourth round in which he selected Warren Jackson. And then he made two compensatory selections. One was Garrett Groshek, which I believe is his friend or somebody that he knows. And uh, Joseph Asai, who I'm pretty sure his guest executive chose for him. So um, to round out this uh, draft grades episode, boys, what do we think of Carter's night? I don't know where to begin. Uh <laughs> First off, I I think Carter would be best off to stop memeing the picks, like the Warren Jackson pick, where he just picked them this fusu thing. So, and I guess I don't I don't know the ins and outs of his relationship with his uh, executive that he had at the draft. So I don't know which one of these picks. I don't know the communication that went on in between them. Um, but there was some players still on the board, and Warren Jackson was already cut by a team. So I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm going to save this for the preseason pod. I'm just going to go in on this team. I'm, I'm going to let the secret out that this is the team I'm going in on. There's, there are rumblings that the podcast darling Carter of the last three years is about to become the podcast punching bag. Um, just throwing that out there. Look for the preseason pods starting in a couple of weeks. Um, but Caleb, in terms of the draft night, what do we got? Um, for Carter? Yes. It's an F. You know, we just had Dave, who had one-fourth... And we talked about doing the most with what you got. And I know he wasn't here, but this is doing the least with what you got. I mean, <laughs> he drafted two undrafted free agents, one of which has already been cut and signed to a new team. So maybe there's some hope for Warren Jackson. But you look at, I mean, I, I haven't looked at the names, but it's Warren. Okay, yeah, that that's, was before Dwayne Eskridge, who was a second-round draft pick. That was two picks before him. That was before Ferkser. I mean, it's just, I do not get it at all. I, You know, you're looking for this guy to sort of build something up. You, you, don't, you don't have many picks, and you go out and, I mean, were any other undrafted free agents taken in the draft? I don't think so. I think those this, are the only two. Yeah, this was the highest, I think, a joke pick has ever been taken. I mean, we see these comp- compensatory God, I fucking murdered that word. That was pretty good. It's that was like one. an 8 out of 10. That is it's a tough right. word. These <laughs> extra picks. <laughs> you sometimes see the joke is jokes picks in there. We've had the New England kicker who was racist get in there. This is the earliest kind of a joke pick has ever been taken. And it, it's I think it left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. It did. It's too early. It, it did. I'll, I'll say it. It did. And uh, it, it goes to say... With the team that we just talked about, Dave, um, what you can do with 410. He had 410, a pick that some might already tune out for. I mean, we've had teams forfeit 412, and that, or four, actually, no, at that time it was 410 and it was forfeited, and that pick was Landon Collins. Mm-hmm. But Dave stuck in there, moved up the board, and picked up a perfect player for his team and his situation. And uh, a team that had a pick, you know, 
four spots ahead of that, just threw it away. Just threw it in the garbage. Dwayne Eskridge was on the board. Even Tylen Wallace on the board, that's a little bit of upside. There's some defensive players here with, you know, potential starting roles. I mean, throw a dart, just make a, make a move. You, you don't have draft capital. You, you've, you've handicapped yourself in that regard and you're working with one pick here and, and you just threw it in the garbage. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to mince words there. I mean, that was a, that was a wasted pick. And I think we're going to, we're going to have a little bit of a conversation for this team's future on the, on the predictions season preview podcast i mean this is a this is a sign of how this team has been has been running as of late i'll say it i'm i'm gonna join you i'm gonna join caleb i'm gonna give out another f i'm giving it an f too f fail (laughs) (laughs) on that note um, Wait thanks for- <laughs> <laughs> the Joseph Osai pick. I like this. The Joseph Osai pick was pretty good, and I don't think he made that pick. I, <laughs> I think Joe made that pick. That's a different story. The All worst right. part is that these t- these players are both still on its roster. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, two weeks. Later. That's a that's a whole nother conversation. Um, we will be back soon to not only talk about the draft and what unfolded there, but about the prospects of the 2021 season for all of these teams. We will be splitting it up as we did last year with plenty of content coming your way with a big five and a pack five episode for the season previews. So look for those coming up real quick because it's already uh, almost mid August and the season is rapidly approaching. So um, thank you for tuning in to the draft grades. I hope that your grade did not, uh, offend you too much. This is all about, uh, real hard hitting analysis and sports media. So feel free to hop on Twitter and let us know that you hated your grade. Um, but other than that, Frazier and Caleb, thank you both for joining me. The OG hey, pod squad is back. Us. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> we're firing off nice. takes. We are. I think we're going. 2021 is going to be different. We're not. I'm definitely not. Dude. Yeah, we're getting spicy. 2021 is going to get weird. If you uh, if you're not doing things, you know, in line with what the pod squad likes, you're going to hear <laughs> about it. FS1 <laughs> segment of the week might turn into FS1 episode of the week real quick. Oh God. I already I already got my storyline that's going to piss Dave off this year. So. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's how you know we're ready for another year. Uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. We will be back soon, and let's make it a great week-ish.